You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. We're going to be all over the Bible uh, this morning. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, and so go ahead and turn there if you've got that with uh, word with you. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 as well. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, we have some in the back back there, and if you'll slip your hand up, we'll have an usher who will bring you a copy of His Word. So we're in this series called At the Movies, and if you're new and you're sitting there wondering why are these guys shaving their beards and you know dressing up and all these things, I want to point you kind of really quickly back to some of the teachings of Jesus. If you walk through the Gospels and you see how Jesus taught people and you see what he did, most of the time, I'm not telling you he shaved his beard, but he would use something that was a very popular, uh, you know, kind of either... Uh, situation in the world or things that people were aware of to teach theological truths, meaning truths about who he is. And so our At the Movie series is a very similar thing. It's this idea where most of us watch movies. We, we enjoy a lot of the great movies that are out there, and so we want to look at what these movies are teaching us, and then we want to compare it back to what God says. And so today, we're going to be looking at this movie called Top Gun Maverick. Uh, some of you were old enough to see the original in the theaters, and some of you maybe just you know streamed it a couple weeks ago on Netflix. Uh, but Top Gun Maverick came out last summer, I believe, and it's really the, it's the, the, the sequel to the original Top Gun movie. And uh, it's this story of a guy who uh, some would argue has no drive in his life, while others would say he has a lot of drive and just, you know, doesn't know where the ambition is going, so to speak. And so, as you saw in some of those, you know, scenes in that trailer, it's this picture of a guy who didn't really succeed, he didn't really climb the ladder, but he was always successful in what he did. And uh, he, he was called back to Top Gun School to help train some of these young pilots to do a very specific, very dangerous mission. And the movie kind of navigates this, uh, I guess, torn person, this, this, this guy who has found himself uh, at a point in life where he can no longer be the young buckaroo and break all of the rules, uh, but yet that's kind of who he is at, at, at the core. And as I'm watching this movie, I can't help but see that, man, there's leadership teaching after leadership teaching that you can find yourself l- looking at throughout this movie. Uh, one, of the, one of the scenes is Maverick is, is brought in to, to train this young, groups, this young group of recruits to complete this impossible mission, as I said earlier. But instead of looking to kind of recreate himself, which is a bad leadership trait, what he does is he begins to look at the skills that they have, and he he literally says this statement. He says he just intends to find their limits, test them, and push beyond those limits. He's looking looking at them to be the best them that they can be. That's a great leadership trait. We could go through Scripture and, and look at how Jesus calls us to die to self and become the best us we can be by finding ourselves in Him. Right? That's how you, you know, anybody serves you this line that you can be your best self. The best way you can be your best self is to die and to find yourself in Jesus. Okay? That's, that's the truth. And if there's anything other than that, it's just to sell a book. Right? Another great teaching that you could find in this movie is that you never forget where the, who the people are who helped you and helped you get to where you are. 
You look at this relationship between Maverick and they, they called him Iceman. You know, in the first movie, for those of you who watched it, there's this kind of rivalry between the two. But at the end of the movie, there's a friendship that's bonded. And what you see in the second movie is that Iceman has really stuck his neck out for Maverick time and time again. And there becomes this beautiful scene where Maverick's like, I don't know what to do because all I am is a pilot. And Iceman looks at him and says, just let it go. You just got to. You gotta let it go. You gotta grow up. You gotta mature. You gotta move on. And you can tell between the bond that they hold that these words mean something because he never forgot the friendship that he had in Iceman. Maverick always held that relationship near and dear. And so we could go down this 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 tunnel of looking at you know friendships and how they matter throughout Scripture. But there's one principle that really stuck out to me that I, I want to kind of lean in. And it's this idea of doing everything that you can with excellence. Striving for excellence. We'll talk about that a little deeper. But this movie begins to uh, show us this picture of excellence in kind of a, a, a attention at some point. I don't know if you remember. It's probably the first 15, 20 minutes in the movie. Uh, Maverick has just broken some record. He went like Mach 10 or something like that. I have no idea what that means. Fast, right? And so... He breaks this record against his boss's uh, advice and against really clearance, and he gets called back into the office, and his boss begins to look at him and go, look, dude, you've been in the military for umpteen years, and you are kind of a nobody, but yet you're a decorated officer in the sense that you have broken every record there's to break, you've gone on all these amazing missions, you are the man, but yet you haven't climbed the ladder. And when I'm listening to this, I think it's an admiral speak to Maverick, I'm kind of torn because there's this moment as I'm listening to it going, well, maybe we could talk about how Maverick just really had this failure to launch. Like he had so much potential, but he never, ever seized the potential and raised to the level in which he could. That's, that's certainly an argument that we could make, but there's also another side that you could look at Maverick and go, man, this guy did everything the best he could, and he just didn't care about climbing the ladder. And so you're sitting here going, okay, this is a great leadership talk, Chris, but what does this have to do with Jesus? And what I want us to start off by, by understanding and getting hopefully to this idea of striving for excellence and this biblical concept of our identity in Christ We need to begin with an understanding of what we were made to do, how we were made to do it. And one of the things that we're going to look at is this idea of work and accomplishment. Idea of work and accomplishment. So Genesis chapter 1, and hopefully I can take you through this path and we'll get to a place where you go, oh, all that makes sense. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, Katie read it for us earlier. I think sometimes when you start to talk about work, before I read this passage, we can get to this place to think that work is only something that came after the fall, right? Because work stinks. Some of you enjoy it, and you're, I guess you're a masochist to a, to a degree, but for the most part, most people don't like work, right? Work is hard. Why would we ever want to do that? We want to have fun. We want to live on vacation forever. But Genesis chapter 1, as she read for us, kind of unpacks this idea that work is who we are. So verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. We know what that's talking about, right? That's not necessarily work. That's fun. And fill the earth 
and subdue it. Subdue it. Okay? Here's your first sign of overseeing the earth and working it. And then it says, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there's two things that are happening right there in that text. The first thing is God is showing us our pecking order in creation. We are over all things. So when we talked about this last week, creation, evolution, this is another one of those arguments for creation because we didn't just come from a monkey, right? We, we were given a, a specific place in life. But the second thing it's doing is he's showing us and he's telling us, you will subdue the earth. You will work the grounds. And it's even further fleshed out after the fall happens. So flip a couple pages with me to Genesis chapter 3. This is where he fleshes out how you were made to work, but yet work then became difficult. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. So this is after they have eaten from the fruit that they were told not to. So that they've been found by the Lord. They were hiding. They've been found. The Lord has already told Eve her punishment, and now he looks at Adam. Verse 17, it says, And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. So when you work the land, it's not going to always give you what you want. It's going to be difficult. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So he's playing on this picture. He's kind of pointing us back to this idea that you were created to subdue the earth. You were created for work. Work is not a sin. Work is not a punishment of your sin. Work is what we were created to do. In work, we can worship God. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But when the fall happens, that's when work became toilsome. That's when work became hard. That's when work became, oh my gosh, I don't want to wake up. I want to hit the snooze button, right? And so when we look at this picture of work, at this point in a sermon, here's where most pastors will go, and they're going to leave something off a lot of the times, in my opinion, what I've heard over and over again. They go to this passage, Colossians 3. We, we know it. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ Jesus. Depending on your different translations, what you're going to read in those two verses in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae is, hey, do everything to the best of your ability because it's for the Lord. That is a great message. Here is the problem with that message alone. The context of the message is not work really hard. That's not what Paul's saying there. There is something much deeper than just doing things because it goes to the Lord. He, he's, he's looking at something deeper. Paul is talking about our identity in this passage. Go ahead and make sure you're there with me. Colossians chapter 3. I want to unpack part of this together this morning. Colossians chapter 3. If you're flipping through the New, New Testament, a, a fun thing that I learned early in the life was you get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. Where's Colossians? There it is. 
It's the company, by the way, in case you didn't catch that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. We just read it. It's unpacking this, this understanding of giving our work to the Lord. But if you'll notice, a lot of your Bibles have a headline. The headline of that passage says, Rules for Christian Households. What does the headline prior to that passage say? It's the beginning of chapter 3. For most of our Bibles, you know what it's going to say? Put on the new self. Put on the new self. Find your identity in something different than you've always found your identity in. Find your identity in Christ. We have this core value here called strive for excellence. So we call membership having a seat at the table. In case you're new and you don't understand our language, we say, hey, do you have a seat at the table? That really just means, like, is this home for you? We don't make you take a test and come down front and pray over you and put your picture up on the thing. Although, if you want us to do that, we won't do it. So, um, we just we, we want people to know that, like, as much as you're a member of us, we are a member of you, right? Like, we are the body. You can go through 1 Corinthians, you can see that... Jesus, through Paul, says to us, like, hey, each of us have been brought together for this purpose. And some of you are a foot, and some of you are an armpit, and some of you are, he didn't say that part, and some of you have all these different skills and, and all these things, but when, we brought, when we're brought together, we are this complete and total body. And so it's kind of this picture that we need each other. And so we, we use the language of having a seat at the table because throughout the Bible, there's this idea of table fellowship. Where time and time again, believers come together around a table. Jesus does it with his, with his guys. We, do it, we see it in the Old Testament over and over and over again. And so we have this identity of people who sit at the table together. But then there are values that push us in that identity. And I could go through all of them, but you know we've only got 30, 35 minutes. So the one I'm going to hit is this idea of striving for excellence. And it comes from this passage in Colossians chapter 3. This idea that because we have now been bought with a price, you, you, I don't know if you know this, but your life is not pointless or meaningless. Your life has value. Not just because you exist, but because Jesus died for you. And he says, your life was worth my life. You have value. I love you exactly how you are. And because I love you exactly how you are, I'm going to die for you and call you to something greater call you to be with me, call you to be my child. And because